that's the problem. I mentioned this Wednesday night, but I saw a pastor friend of mine on Facebook had a picture um, with a post the other day that showed <laughs> that showed a picture of a guy holding a Bible in this hand and a Pap's blue ribbon in this hand. That's the mindset of this of, of a lot of the church today is that we can have both. But you can't have both. The world and Jesus, you can't have both. Something's got to go. And when Jesus comes in, the things of the world go. They leave. Amen. And, uh, you know, Paul said for us as believers to, what did he say to do? And this is a, this is a lost message in the, in the body of Christ today, to come out from among them. And be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then I will receive you and be a God unto you, and you shall be my people. Now, that's what the Bible says. So the point is, when the Lord saved me, He brought me out of the world. Well, we're in it, but we're not of it. Amen? I'm going to preach to you like you're going to act like... You're going to act quiet, I'll preach quiet, okay? The quieter I preach, the, the slower I preach, and the longer I preach. So I'm just kidding. But we do have to be separate from the world. The Lord has called us. Jesus said that we are in the world, but we're not a part of it. We're not of the world. The world being the world system, the system that's under the sway of the evil one. And so I love that song because what it's telling us is, I don't, you know, uh, we used to sing that old song. It's kind of like that, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. The song, the old, old hymn, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than, than riches untold. Amen? I just want more of Jesus. And, and, and as a pastor, that's my desire for every single one of you here today. I want you to have more of Jesus and to be closer to Jesus and to have more of His, His Spirit living in you and controlling you and, and, and blessing your life. So that's my desire for you. Amen? Do you have your Bible today? Amen? Got your Bible? Let's open to the book of Mark then. If you got your Bible this morning, the book of Mark, chapter number 7. Mark chapter number 7. Praise God. We'll be reading from verse, beginning with verse number 24 this morning. From Mark chapter number 7 and verse number 24 through verse number 30. A familiar, um, very familiar uh, narrative and story here in the Word of God, but uh, just want to make a few, uh, a few observations this morning and share a few things with you from this passage. Chapter 7 of Mark, verse 24, And from thence, are you there? Yes, sir. And from thence, um, I'm reading from the King James, And from thence he arose, Jesus arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. 
For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children first be filled. For it's not meat or it's not proper to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. She answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I can imagine. I've said a lot less offensive things to people and they've left. <laughs> and here Jesus is saying to her, you're a dog, you can't have nothing. And she, she, you know what she said? Yes, Lord, I take that place. But even the dogs get some crumbs, amen. In other words, she couldn't be offended. Well, that's another message. That's another message. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And Jesus said to her, For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of your daughter. For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out. I love that. That just kind of leaped off at me this week. The devil has gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out. Praise God. And the daughter laid upon the bed. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you today for your presence. I pray this morning, Lord, that you will take this, this simple message this morning and apply it to our hearts that you would open up our hearts to receive the seed of your word, that you would let the Spirit of the Lord just speak through my lips and think through my mind today to give us what we have need of from the Scriptures. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. amen. Jesus had just had a, a confrontation. He was always having confrontations with uh, with the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. We had talked about that some weeks ago, but he had just had a, a, a major confrontation. They were all the ones confronting him all the time, but um, it, 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 it had to do with their religious tradition. And if you'll remember, you know, they, they uh, had come against the Lord and found fault with him and his disciples and criticized them because they, had, they saw them eating without going through the ceremonial cleansing that they felt like was necessary before they ate. And I talked a little bit about that one Sunday morning and about the, uh, the, tr the religious tradition that they have. It wasn't based anything upon the Word of God, but the Pharisees, the, the Pharisees believed, and under their tradition, they believed that at night that a demon could get on your, would get on your hands. 
And uh, remember us talking about that? And that if you didn't go through this particular ceremonial cleansing thing that they, that they had concocted and they had dreamed up, wasn't anything in the law of Moses about it, wasn't anything in the scriptures about it, but it was something they had added to and said, you got to go through this, this ceremonial cleansing of your hands up to your elbows and all this. Because if not, that demon, when you, if you would eat without going through that, then you could ingest that demon spirit and then become demon possessed because you've eaten with unwashed hands. It was a bunch of foolishness. It didn't have any, any validity at all in the scriptures. And so Jesus, they, they criticized his disciples and, and said to him, you know, why, why are you letting your disciples eat but without going through the ceremonial cleansing of all this washing and everything? And so Jesus explained to them and he just, he said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out. That's what defiles a man. And so when he got to the house, he had to explain to his disciples what he meant by that. And Jesus taught them that the evil actions that people are involved in, that evil comes from the inside. It comes from a defiled heart. It doesn't come from eating food. And I know people have taken that verse of Scripture where Jesus says that it's not what goes in uh, a man's mouth, but what comes out that defiles them. And they've used that Scripture to try to say, well, then it doesn't matter. You can take drugs or you can, uh, you know, you can um, use tobacco or whatever and it won't defile you. Well, it will definitely. Those things will defile your body. But I can tell you this much by putting alcohol in your body, what comes out after that will definitely, definitely defile you. And that's not my message either. But, uh, but, but Jesus said that evil actions come from a defiled heart. And there in the 14th, was it the 14th verses? Um, or no, it's the 20th and the 20 through the 22nd verses. He gives a list of things that come from within a man's heart or an individual's heart that will defile them. And uh, he lists things such as evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride. And Jesus said that all these thing come, things come from within and these are the things that defile a man, that defile a person's life. So what Jesus was teaching was that evil actions, if a person's living in sin, it's because they haven't had a heart change. They need their heart transformed. They need a, they need a, a, a spiritual heart transplant. Come on, amen. And so, you know, Paul taught the same thing. And Jesus said that these things defile an individual's life. These are sins that defile a person's life and that will damn the soul. Are you with, with me this morning? These are things that if practiced and not... Uh, and that are not removed from our life by uh, the, the new birth will cause an individual to miss heaven. And Paul listed another list in 1 Corinthians 6 and in Galatians chapter 5 and, and in other of his writings and epistles. And Paul made lists as well of these particular sins and others that he mentioned as well. And Paul said, let no man deceive you. 
He said, because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And he said, don't let anybody deceive you, for those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's the, that's, that's the way that it is. I mean, we, we, you know, I know that's not a popular message today and that's not even my message. It's just laying some groundwork and some foundation for this message. But the thing is, when a person gets born again, you become a new creation, a new creature, a new man, a new woman in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the old things pass away and the all, all things become new in our life. We're a new person in Jesus Christ. When I got born again, when I got up from that altar, can I tell you what? The things that I, that I loved, I, I didn't love anymore. The things that I used to hate, I used to couldn't stand to go. I didn't want to be in a church. I didn't, want, I didn't listen to preaching. I didn't read the Word of God. Those things were completely not a part of my life at all. But when, my, when Jesus came into my heart and he changed me and transformed me and gave me a spiritual heart transplant and he took out the old stony heart and he put in a heart of flesh and he put his spirit on the inside of me, amen? All those things. When I got that new heart, the things that defiled my life were washed away by the blood of Jesus, amen? They didn't control my life anymore. So we need to understand that and the church needs to come back, I believe today, to preaching a, a message of holiness and separation and freedom from the powers of darkness and from the sins of this world and from the sins of this life. Amen. So um, that may not be very popular, but I can tell you this much. Here's the, th here's the deal. One day... I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, I don't want, when I stand there, I don't want anybody standing at the judgment and pointing a finger at Rick Hensley and saying, why didn't you tell me? I can't go to heaven because I was doing this, but you didn't tell me. I'm going to make one thing very clear. I will tell you what this book says is right and what this book says is wrong. Amen. So Jesus had a confrontation about this situation and he had been having confrontations with these Pharisees and these religious leaders over and over again. So he needed a break. Sometimes we just need a break. And so the Bible said that he left them and he went into some in, in deep into Gentile territory. He's getting away from Galilee and where he had been doing his ministry and he went up into the northern regions out by the, the Mediterranean Sea in the land of Tyre and Sidon, which was Gentile territory. And he goes up there with his disciples to get some rest and relaxation, just to get away for, for a while. But even there, the Bible said that, that he couldn't be hid. His presence was known. And it soon got out that... It soon got out that Jesus, that, that prophet from Galilee, had come into the land of Tyre and Sidon. And some of the people from Tyre and Sidon, from this Gentile area, had also had been to Galilee and to those areas and had seen the ministry of Jesus firsthand. 
Some of them had been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now Jesus is there in their territory, in their land, in their cities, and the word gets out that Jesus is there. And he couldn't be hid, he couldn't be covered up. And so when this, this woman that we read about this morning, here is a, a, a Gentile mother that hears that Jesus is in her neighborhood and in her city, and she has a desperate need to get to the Lord. She probably thought that it, she would never have the opportunity ever to get to be where Jesus was. She had heard the reports from others how he had healed the sick and how he had opened blinded eyes and how he had set captives free and raised the dead even. And she had heard the reports of the miracles of the Lord Jesus, but no doubt she thought, well, he'll never be in this neck of the woods. He'll never be in my area where I can ever get to him or approach him. And this Gentile mother had a desperate need in her life. And it wasn't for herself. And, and Brother Leon preached a little bit about this. I thought he was going to preach my message a little bit last Sunday night because the need that she had wasn't for her, but the need that she had was for her daughter. She had, a, she had a child, she had a young daughter that the Bible said was grievously vexed. Matthew says, uses the terminology that, that this little girl was grievously vexed by the devil. And that, that word vexed means to torment or harass. And so this little girl, I don't know her age, but this daughter of this Syrophoenician woman was being tormented and was being harassed by the devil. And so this woman, this mother, had, had no doubt, that there was, had tried everything she could to get some help and some relief for this little girl, but she comes to Jesus on behalf of her daughter. She needed her daughter to be set free. And this morning, you know, when I was praying this morning here at the church and, and seeking the Lord for the service, I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said there's a lot of people that are in this service this morning that, that maybe you don't need anything, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you've got a child that's away. You've got a child that's, that's bound by the powers of darkness. You've done everything you can do to try to help that, that, that offspring, that son, that daughter, that grandson, that granddaughter, and it seems like nothing that you you've done has had any effect. They're still bound and tormented and held in captivity by the enemy. But I can tell you if you'll just do uh, what this little woman did, what this little mother did, I believe that just as Jesus set her daughter free, that you can have that son and that daughter and that child delivered and set free by the power of God today. Amen. God wants, listen to me, God wants to save your children, your household. He's all about the circle not being broken and families being together in heaven. And you've got to make up your mind. I'm not going to let one of my family members be lost without Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. This lady comes to Jesus in behalf of her daughter and she is in this desperate situation knowing that this daughter needs deliverance and she finds out one thing to get to the bottom line of, of what happens. This Syrophoenician, this Greek woman, this Gentile woman finds out and learns the lesson 
that all it took for a miracle in her daughter's life was just a crumb from the master's table. <laughs> Glory to God. She, she learned the lesson and found out that she didn't even have to have a whole loaf or even a slice of the, of the promise of God, but just one little bitty crumb from the table of the Lord was all that it took to drive the devil out of her daughter and to set her free, hallelujah, and deliver her and turn her into a different person. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Just a small amount of God's power is more than enough for your situation today. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, I feel something here this morning. I wish you all could feel what I'm feeling right now. But she had heard about the Lord. She had heard, as I said, how He had healed the sick and opened those blinded eyes. The reports had come back to Tyre and Sidon from those who had visited Galilee and many that had been, that had been healed by him. And so from the testimony of others, oh, there's another good point, but from the testimony of others about what the Lord had done for them, it ignited some faith in her heart. And she, when she began to hear about Jesus, she, hadn't, she hasn't saw a, miracles, a, a miracle. She's just heard about Him and what He's done. And her, her faith is sparked. Faith comes alive in her heart. And she begins to realize that Jesus, if He could do that for these people, if I can ever get to Him or if I can ever, if He would ever come here, He can do the same thing for me and for my family and for my daughter. And can I just stop and say this to, to you this morning that, that the Lord is no respecter of person and that what He's done for others he'll do for you come on amen hallelujah it is no secret the old song says what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you with arms wide open he'll pardon you cause it is no secret what our God can do amen and what he's done for others he can do and wants to do in your life as well but you've got to just, you've got to believe Him. And I know this is something we stress, uh, but, it's, but it's so true that God, everything you will ever receive from the Lord, everything that He ever does for you, he will, it will come from faith, through your faith, through believing Him. Do you understand that? You get saved. How do you get saved? You get saved by placing your faith in the finished work of Christ. And everything, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, answer to prayer, healing of your body, the salvation of your family members, everything that we receive from the Lord comes to us through believing Him, through faith. Jesus, and we'll probably get to it in some weeks to come in that ninth chapter of Mark where Jesus tells the man who brought his demon possession 
demon-possessed son to the disciples. And Jesus says to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And that's something that we've got to get in our heart. Amen? God honors faith. I'm talking about faith that is persistent and faith that is tenacious and faith that will not stop and faith that will keep believing even in the face of opposition and obstacles just like this little woman's faith was. And if there's one thing here that we can learn from a Gentile woman, she wasn't even a part of the family of God. She wasn't in the covenant of God. She was, she was a Gentile. But if there's one thing we can learn, that her tenacity, her importunity, her persistence in prayer and in faith and in not giving up brought her the answer. And, and Jesus, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said of her, woman, great, great is your faith. Why was her faith great? Because she had a faith that wouldn't take no for an answer. She had a faith that kept on believing in the face of opposition. She had a faith that kept on believing when Jesus was silent. She had a faith. Come on. She had a faith that kept on believing when everybody wanted to get rid of her. She had a faith that kept on believing even when she had the opportunity to get offended and to get mad. She kept on believing the Lord. Her faith would not her faith would not yield to the opposition that came her way. That's the kind of faith that you and I need to move our mountain. Come on, somebody. Oh, if you have faith, not great, big, huge, bolder faith, but if you can have faith just as the size of a little grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. What is he talking about? He's talking about a faith. You, you all seen a mustard seed? Somebody had a picture on Facebook one day, said, had a picture of a little mustard seed on their finger and they said I've got a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. Glory to God. That little bit of faith. Amen. But it's faith. A mustard seed is small but yet it's strong and it's pungent. Amen. And there's something about that little bit of faith and that is if it's small faith but in the right object. That's when faith is powerful. We can't have, you know, so many people, they want to have faith in their own faith or faith in the preacher or faith in the church or faith in somebody else or faith in a deliverance ministry or a deliverance minister. But that mustard seed faith, no matter how small it may be, if it's placed and planted in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us at Calvary, that faith will move a mountain in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That faith will do wonders. But there's always, always obstacles. Wouldn't it be something if just believing God, in believing God, you never faced any opposition? You know, we, people, some of the Word of Faith people have taught that, well, if you have enough faith, you'll never have any opposition. If you have enough faith, you'll never have any trouble. Well, that's not scriptural. That's not found in the Word of God. But faith will overcome the opposition. 
True, true genuine faith in Christ and in His Word will overcome the opposition that the enemy brings. But this woman comes to the Lord and says, Lord, my daughter is at home. She's grievously vexed, tormented of the devil, and I need you to heal her. I need, she needs deliverance. But she, when she came to the Lord, she met with resistance. And this is something that you and I need to understand today. That any time we take the stand to believe God, to believe the Lord, for Him to do something for us or to move in our life, just living for the Lord, we're going to face resistance from the enemy. We're going to, we're going to face opposition. But here was the thing about this little woman's situation, that the resistance <clears throat> that she <clears throat> encountered seemed to be coming from the one she needed to help her. It seemed to be coming from the Lord because the resistance that she's got was, first of all, was when she came to Jesus for help, He didn't even acknowledge her at all. He didn't, there was no response from him. He didn't answer her, not a word. That's what Matthew's gospel said, that he answered her, not a word. But even when she didn't get a response from Jesus, you know, it wasn't one of them things like, well, I ain't going back to that church because the preacher didn't shake my hand. Here it was, you know, she had every opportunity. He's not even answering her. He doesn't say a word, but yet she was persistent in coming to him for her daughter. Now, she wouldn't quit. She wouldn't give up, even though, even though when you study this out, this woman definitely had the deck was stacked against her. Everything was against her. I mean, in looking at at the circumstances, her situation, where she was at. I mean, there was, there, everything was pointing to the fact that she's not going to get an answer. She didn't, des she didn't deserve one. She was, Jesus ignored her, but she was not only that, but she was a Canaanite woman. She was a Gentile woman. She was a member or a part of a doomed race of people under the old covenant. Under the old covenant, um, when God spoke about the Canaanites, He told Israel, don't you make a covenant with them. Don't you have anything to do with them. So they had no promises, kind of like we sang about this morning, and Sister Leona even quoted the Scriptures from Ephesians chapter 2 of what our position and our condition was before we got born again and how that Paul described how that we were Without Christ, we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers from the covenants of promise and that we had no hope and we were without God in this world. That's the situation that this Canaanite woman found her in. She had no right even to come to the Lord Jesus. So she was a doomed person. She was outside of the promises and the covenants of the Lord. But then not only that, Jesus was silent and He wouldn't answer her when she cried to Him. He just ignored her. Anybody ever experienced those times when it seemed like the Lord is silent and you're calling on Him and you don't get an answer and He doesn't say anything? And you're saying, Lord, I need you to tell me something. And he just kindly 
ignores you, as so it seems. And so he was silent to her and toward her. And it seemed like that he was rejecting her and the disciples didn't want anything to do with her. Here was Jesus. Here was Jesus' um, uh, deacon board. And they were saying, get her out of here. We don't want her anywhere around us. Amen. She's, she's of a doomed race. And so the disciples are rejecting her. Everybody, everything is against her. So the deck is pretty much stacked against her. And Jesus basically, tells her, when he did respond to her, he's told her, he said, you know what? He said, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent to you. You're not, you don't have a covenant right. I've come to the lost sheep of Israel. And Jesus was telling her basically that she didn't qualify to have her prayer answered. That she didn't qualify for a miracle. And then he done something that, 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 that just you know, kind of blows your mind. Then Jesus referred to her as a dog and said, you know, it's not proper. It's not right to take what belongs to the children, which was those under the covenant, those of Israel. It's not right to take that and give that to the dog. So he's calling her dog. He said, you're just, you know, you're a dog. But but he, everything, you know, it seems like is against her. And in, 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 in all of this, her only hope, here's her only hope. Her daughter's not going to be set free any other way. If Jesus can't help her, she's got nowhere else to go. She's at her wit's end. She's at the end of a rope. He's the only one that can give her the victory and set her free. But he's seemingly pushing her away and being silent and rejecting her. What is she going to do? Can I tell you something this morning? Are you listening to me? God's silence and when he is silent is not always an indication of his unwillingness to meet your need. God's silences when they do come are just there to test our faith and to remind you and I that he operates on a different time schedule than what we do. Hallelujah. Your faith, listen to me saints your faith is defined by what it takes to stop you I've got to say that again your faith is going to be defined by what it takes to stop you and to a lot of people they're easily stopped so the the, the, the example that this lady gives us is that we're not to give in and we're not to give up. And that's exactly what she portrayed to the Lord. When she was, when she was given the silent treatment, she was told by the disciples, we don't want you around. When she was um, called a dog, when she was said, well, you don't... You don't qualify for these blessings or for healing. You're outside of the covenant. In spite of all of that, she wouldn't stop. Jesus was, listen to me, Jesus was testing her faith. Where was her faith really at? Are you hearing me? Amen. I, I love that because, see, that's what Bartimaeus did when, when blind Bartimaeus began to cry out and he heard Jesus was passing by. 
And Bartimaeus said, oh, Jesus. He began to cry, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And uh, everybody told him, what did they do? Everybody told him, said, you hush. Don't bother Jesus. You leave Jesus alone. He don't want anything to do with an old blind beggar. But oh, praise God. The Bible says in Mark 10 that when they told uh, Bartimaeus to be quiet, that he just cried out the more. He cried out the morning. He said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, have mercy on me. Well, we know what happened. Amen. His cry stopped the master. And he got his miracle. And he got his healing. Amen. Jesus teaches him Luke 11 about the friend at midnight that came to his friend and said, I've got company and I don't have anything to set before them. Could you lend me three loaves of bread? And I'll, I'll, I'll get it back to you, but I need three loaves of bread. But his friend from inside said, don't bother me. I, I'm in bed. I got my kids in bed. I'm not getting up out of bed. I've often thought about that. And Jesus said there, which of you having a friend that would come to him and say that, you know, Mark's my friend, but and Buddy's my friend, wherever Buddy's at, and Giles is my friend, but you know, and Joe's my friend, everybody, is everybody the pastor's friend? Well, you're my friends, but if I come to you at midnight and I've got a need, you're not gonna, you're not gonna text me and say, get off my porch, leave me alone. I'm in bed and I don't want to be bothered by you. It's, it's two o'clock in the morning and I don't want anything to do with you. Friends don't do that. This was not a true friend. But here's the thing that Jesus was teaching, that this guy wouldn't quit. When his friend told him, he said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not getting up, I'm not getting out of bed. It said because he was a friend, he wouldn't get up and give him because he was a friend, but because of his importunity, because of his persistence, because you know what he wouldn't do? He wouldn't leave the front porch. But he kept knocking. I need some loaves. I need some bread. Open up. And because of his persistence, he got up and gave him as much as he needed to get rid of him. But let me tell you something. That's not the way the Lord is. The Lord is not going to say to you, get out of here, I don't want anything to do with you. And the point of the parable is, if this guy can get a friend who was a lazy bum, and didn't want to get up, if he, by his persistence, can get him to get up and, and give him what he needs, yes. how much more do you think that your heavenly Father, who is not your friend, but who is your heavenly Father, amen, how much more will he get up if you will just persist and not quit and not give up and keep praying and keep believing, amen? The Bible says, you know, that she came asking the Lord to heal her daughter. This woman did, but, but it says in the New King James that she kept asking. And I know there's been teaching that says, oh, you just ask once and you go on. You know what's wrong? You know what's wrong with the prayer lives of most Christians today? You know what's wrong with the prayer lives? I know I'm going to make some enemies today, but I, God help me. You know what's wrong with the prayer lives of the churches today? Do you know why there's not too much prayer meetings going on? 
on in the churches. It's because of that nonsensical, unbiblical teaching that says you just ask God once and then you go on and forget about it and don't ask Him again. That is not found in the Word of God. Is somebody in this house today? If this woman would have turned around and walked away, asked Jesus once, got the silent treatment, didn't get an answer, and if she would have turned around and left, her daughter would never have been delivered from that, that demonic spirit. But because of her importunity, but because of her persistence, but because that she kept asking and continued to ask and continued to come to the Lord and would not be denied, she got what she needed from the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And in the Greek, in the Greek text, those, those, those words are in the continuous sense. Those verbs are in the continuous sense. And, and in the mood that says, ask. And this is actually what it says. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Amen? Don't give up. Faith will not give up. Faith doesn't just ask once and stop. Faith comes back and knocks on the door again. Faith hangs on to the promise of God. Faith says, this is what you've promised me, Lord, and I'm coming back again. I will not be denied. Amen? Praise God. That's what this woman did. She came back. She came back. If I know that I've got a promise from the Lord, she persisted and got what she wanted without a promise. If I know I've got a promise, I'm definitely going to persist. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Amen? Praise God. Jesus ignored her. Wouldn't have anything to do with her, called her a dog. But let me, let me close this. Most of us would have given up in her situation. Most of us have given up in a lot less opposition than what she had. Her, Jesus ignored her. The disciples rejected her. Jesus said she was a dog. Most people went away angry like Naaman did. But in spite of every obstacle, in spite of every obstacle, she persisted. She kept the right attitude. She wouldn't stop believing. And her faith prevailed and got the answer. Now listen to me. Pay attention. Jesus never once, I know it looks like it, but I want you to hear this. Jesus never slammed the door of hope in this woman's face. Well, Brother Rick, you just, it just sound like you just said that He did. But He didn't because if you'll notice verse 27 in Mark 7, it said that, Jesus said to this woman, He said, Let the children first be filled. Notice that. He didn't say she couldn't have some of the bread. He just said, Let the children get their share first. 
Well, if, they, if the children... He said, I've come to, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If the children are getting the first, then that means there's going to be some seconds available. If they're going to first be filled, that means there's going to be some leftovers. And, you know, and here was her attitude. Here's where her faith was. Go ahead, Lord, feed them kids first, but just give me some leftovers. I'm happy with a crumb. I don't have to have a whole loaf. Just let me have a crumb. Amen. So he was saying there's, some, there's going to be some seconds available. And when Jesus called her a dog, you have to understand something. That there were two different Greek words for dogs that were used for, used for dogs in that particular time. And there was a word that was used for a dog that was referred to an old mangy cur dog. Anybody ever seen those old mangy cur stray dogs that run around? They're scavenger dogs. But that that's not the word that Jesus used for this woman, but the word that he used when he said, it's not right to take the children's bread, give it to the dogs. It was the word, the Greek word that they used for the family pet. Now let me tell you something this morning, you animal lovers. Amen. I'm believing everybody here is a dog lover. Amen. I know some of us are, but let me tell you, you all know the difference between Wilson and an old scroungy cur mutt dog out here. Amen? Are you following me? You, you, you all know the difference between your dogs and, and an old, they're family pets. Amen. They may be dogs. Oh, I'm a, I, I don't know. They may be dogs, but they still are in the house. Come on, somebody. They're, they're not out here running wild, but they're still in the house. And this lady caught on to what Jesus was saying. He, she's saying, you know what? He didn't actually call me an old cur dog, but he used that. He, he said that I'm, I'm one of the family pets, and she latched on to that right away. And she said, Lord, I get it. I get it. And I'm not expecting you to take what belongs to your kids and give it to them animals out on the street but I'll just hang around under the table and wait till I can get a leftover to hallelujah Woo! glory to God hallelujah our little dolly dog, you know, our little old dolly. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> she's a dog, but she ain't a cur dog. She's not a mangy dog. She's not a scavenger dog. She's a part of the family. And she may be a dog, but when we set the table and put all the food on the table, she slips up under the table and sits there and says, Ruff, ruff, I want a little bit of your leftovers. Hallelujah. If there's something that you don't want, give a little bit of it to me. Can I tell you something? She never leaves the table. She never leaves the table. Sometimes she starts barking before Vicky even puts the food there. I'll sit down and she'll start barking. I'll say, Dolly, hush. Ain't even no food on the table yet. She'll start barking. I'll say, Dolly, hush. Shut up. Nope. Try to give her the silent treatment. Ignore her. Don't pay no attention to her. She keeps yapping. You know what she's learned? 
I'm just a part of the family too. And after they've done, ate all they can handle, they're going to reach down there and give me, does Zoe get in on that too? Hey man, you know what I'm talking about? So she said, Lord, yep, you're right. I'm a dog. But you know the dogs even get to eat the crumbs that come and fall from the master's table. I'm not asking you to take the plate of food from your kids and give it to me. But just a crumb will do to bring a miracle to my daughter. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. She knew that just a crumb was more than enough. And Jesus said, great woman, great is your faith. Her faith prevailed and got the answer. And, 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 and Jesus said, woman, the daughter, the, the, the devil is gone out. And when she got home, she came to her house. She found the devil was gone out of her daughter. And Jesus rewarded her faith. How? He rewarded her faith by giving her exactly what she asked for. Her daughter was healed in that very hour. And can I tell you, the Bible says that, that, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently listen to that word, diligently seek him. And I'm here to tell you if this woman who was a Canaanite who was outside the covenant can diligently seek God and have faith to get an answer for her daughter. You and I do not have, listen to me if a crumb is more than enough, you and I are not dogs under the table but you and I are the the children that are sitting at the banquet table of our heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Everything that he's provided for us, we have given to us. You are children of the family. You are not under the table begging for a crumb. But the Father says, get on up here. I've prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. It's all set. Jesus has the table spread where the saints of God are fed and he invites his chosen people, come on in time. Hallelujah. With his manna, he does feed and supplies our every need. Oh, it's sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Come and dine. The master's calling. Come and dine. You can feast at Jesus. Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. He invites his chosen ones come and dine. Well, give him praise today. Woo, worship team, make your way back. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.